we have to start earnestly understanding our identity in Jesus Christ. Amen. motivation, endurance, and encouragement of God. It's always an honor and a privilege to be among brothers and sisters. I'm so thankful. I feel like family. I feel like always coming in and kicking my shoes off and going and opening the refrigerator without permission. And I'm just really thankful. I am really, really thankful. I want to thank my sister who always leads us in the presence of God. Thank you for your gifts. Thank you for continuing to always serve God with it. That's something I pray that you'll continue to do. And thank you for making somebody like me who can't carry a tune in a bucket just think he can go forward. But I honor the spirit of God in this place. I want to share something before I share something. Call this the appetizer before the main meal. But I felt impressed to start with a few verses from Romans chapter 15. So if you can turn there. I didn't intend to share this when I walked in and we are going elsewhere. But I believe that somebody here, somebody watching needs to be reminded of this truth. Romans chapter 15, verse 4 says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Somebody say hope. Verse 5 says, May the God of endurance and encouragement. Somebody say endurance. I don't know about y'all, but sometimes a brother gets tired. Sometimes the journey feels too heavy and I have to be reminded that there is a God of endurance, but he's not just the God of endurance. The scripture says right after that, it says he's also the God of encouragement says, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together, somebody say together, you may with one voice glorify the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And so I welcome you as Christ has welcomed me, not for any other reason, but for his glory alone, for his glory alone. Every fiber of my being is so committed to ensuring that it's his glory, it's his fame, it's his renown that continues to go forth in the world. And so I just want to remind somebody, when you feel weary and frustrated, when you're tired and you're angry and you're on your last leg and your last straw, that there's a God of endurance, that there's a God of encouragement who has called us to have hope that we won't be disappointed. So you might wonder, I don't understand why I seem to live my life on purpose. I seem to live life with Christ at the center, but when all hell breaks loose, it's just a simple reminder that there's a God of endurance. There's a God of encouragement that has come to give each and every one of us hope. I'm so encouraged by that. I'm so thankful that God knows everything that we deal with and he factors himself into the equation. My mama was a school teacher here in the city for 32 years and I'll never forget every single summer while my friends were out doing God knows what video games, summer camps, The last day of school every year, my mama come home with this big stack of books and just slam it in my room. And she say, this is your summer work. You're getting prepared for where you're going. And I'm like, but mama, I want to be outside with my friends. I want to be playing video games. But she would remind me, son, you're going somewhere and you got to get prepared for where you're going. And so I want us to make sure that we are prepared for where 
God is taking us, where God is leading us. I don't want us to lose focus. Sometimes we got to put those blinders on to make sure that we're not too concerned about what's going on to the left or to the right of us. But I just want to remind somebody today that there's a God of hope and encouragement and endurance. Amen. Turn with me to the gospel of John. That's where we're really going tonight. The gospel of John chapter one. For a lot of us, this is going to be review. It's going to be things that we've heard before, but my prayer is that God would give us fresh eyes, that we would have a deeper longing to understand exactly what is timeless, what is unchanging, what has the power to transform and unlock every situation that we'll ever deal with in our lives. And I love where it started. We're going to do a little bit of reading. If you've been slipping in your Bible reading this week, we're going to be all right. We're going to catch up. We're going to work on it together. Amen. And as we start, I want us to think about something. All of us are past this age, but I want us to think for a moment about when you were younger and you enjoyed going to playgrounds. And I want us to just think about the newest, nicest, shiniest playground you can imagine. The one with like, not the steel slide that we grew up on that burned the back of your leg meat off when we were growing up, but that plastic one that got the cool little curly slide and you see the swings and they brand new, they not even making any noise. And you got the little climbing equipment, anything you can imagine on this playground. You hear kids squealing for joy, you hear laughter, you hear mama scream, you hear the crunch of goldfish and the sip of juice boxes. And it's an amazing place. And then all of a sudden, you see people walk through with their dogs and their dogs come over to that shiny swing set and they drop a load over there by your shiny swing set. And then you see over by the climbing equipment, you see a group of bullies huddling up and plotting about which kid they're going to knock down and try to hurt and try to make fun of. We all started with this great image, this wonderful visual picture of what things could be, and not only that, but what they were intended to be. But somewhere along the way, there came and there was some stuff that got stirred. And there were some people that meant us ill, but God's desire, God's design has never changed because he's a God of endurance and encouragement. And so I want us to just have that image of the beginning. When we think of the beginning, when God created the world, when he was Elohim, when he spoke into the darkness and everything began to manifest. That's the image I want us to have. Too many of us have our lives jacked up because of stuff that got stirred on that playground. Or our lives are off track because of some people who came along who didn't mean us any good. But God wants to clarify. God wants to refresh and revive and renew some of our vision for him. And so John 1 begins and says, in the beginning was what? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. It's amazing to me that in the midst of challenges and circumstances that we find ourselves in, there's always this great temptation to run so many other places. When we know beyond a shadow of a doubt what was there in the beginning, what was foundational, what was the thing that we should have built our lives upon? And it says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. Everybody say all things. As my kids might say, they say everything. 
Everything was made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. Without him was not anything made that was made. Without him was not anything made that was made. God builds himself into the equation. We can't expect to do things in life and just write him out of the story. Without him was not anything made that was made and in him was life. And the life was the light of men. In God was life. In Jesus is life. He tells us in John 10, 10, I came to give you life, Zoe. And I came to give it to you, not just a little teacup full. He said, I came to give you life to the fullest, not a life where we just walk around with our heads hung low, feeling defeated by every doctrine that's tossed around by every person that might speak ill of us, but he's come that we might have life. And it says in him, was life and the life was the light of men the light shines in the darkness because that's what light is supposed to do and the darkness has not overcome it there was a man sent from God whose name was John and what was John's purpose he came as a witness to bear witness about the light to show that it was true to serve as a testimony that everything that they've been hearing about was indeed true. He came to bear witness. As my wife, she's from D.C., they got their own lingo up there. They say stamp. That's like truth. I was like, we moved up to D.C. for a few years. Everybody's just like stamp, stamp, stamp. I was like, what does that mean? That's just saying it's true. And that was John's job. John was very clear. He understood beyond the shadow of a doubt. John didn't try to be somebody that he was not. He understood that he was a man sent from God with one mission, and that was to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him, him being Jesus. And then it clarifies, because there's this seductive tendency in human beings that when we are used by God in a mighty way, or if we step into certain situations and zones where God's favor is upon us, we sometimes have a tendency or a temptation to think that it's really about us. <laughs> but verse 8 says, just so you don't misunderstand, John wasn't the light. He just came to bear witness about it. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Does that sound familiar? He created it all, and yet there are still people who choose not to know him. He came to his own. His own people didn't receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And I love verse 14. It says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. There's another version that says the word became flesh and it moved into the neighborhood. The word became flesh. Jesus left heaven to come into earth so we could have a visual picture of what it looks like to be able to walk in this life. Not to think that it was something that was unattainable, but it says the word became flesh. It became flesh. It took on skin. It lived the life that we know and knew no sin. And it dwelt among us. It moved into the neighborhood. It became hope for somebody. It became a concerned, compassionate neighbor. It became grace for people who so desperately need it. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory 
is of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Not just a little sample size, but filled with grace and filled with truth. And it says again that John bore witness about him. That was his job. That was his role. That was his mission. That was his responsibility. And he cried out. This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. Verse 16, for from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. From his abundance, from his fullness, from his endless supply, we have all received grace upon grace. When you feel like you don't have it, when you feel like it's running low, when you feel like you're running on E, from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I don't know about you. I don't know which one you want. But he clarifies that you got the option to follow the law of Moses. But it's so much better when you live a life of grace and truth in Jesus Christ. It's hard to keep 613 laws. Me and my wife went vegan in January and it was hard enough to keep that. And I just had to remember I couldn't eat no meat products, no nothing. But the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. And in our time that's remaining, I want to get to these questions that stand out as we are learning a little bit more about John as John is having an interaction with a group of people, potentially some of them bullies that were on our playground who saw John over there swinging and just having a great time because you know how John described himself, right? He was the disciple that Jesus loved. I don't care about them other jokers, but I'm going to tell you, for me, I'm the one that he loves. I'm the apple of his eye. He don't have to say nothing. We got an unspoken connection. I know when he come in the room, he just like, there go my boy. This is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and the Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? It says he confessed and he did not deny, but he confessed, I'm not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, nope. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So they said, who are you? We need to give an answer. We need to give an account to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John responded, I'm the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. Of course they were. Verse 25 says, they asked him then, why are you baptizing if you're neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? And John answered them, I baptize with water. But among you stands one that you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. And these things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. And I just want to call our attention to the questions that were raised because a lot of these questions are fundamental. They're foundational. They help to center us and remind us about what life was intended to be like in the beginning. And while the Pharisees and the Jews and the Levites sent these people to question John about who he was, they really were sent to raise an awareness, to spark something, to remind him about the importance of understanding who he is. And there are times in your life where you'll be challenged, where you're like, God, I don't understand it. And it's like God in this infinite love is saying, son, daughter, I love you. And sometimes you just get ignorant. And I just need 
to remind you. I need you to remind yourself that you're created in my image and after my likeness, that you're fearfully and wonderfully made, that you got the stuff on the inside of you. And so they approach him and they ask him that first question. They say, hey, we see you got the whole baptism setup thing happening out here. We done heard about you, but who exactly are you? And I love John's answer. He wasn't trying to be funny. He wasn't trying to do anything, but he just confessed and he didn't deny. He said, I'm not who you think I am. I'm not Elijah. I'm not the prophet. I'm not that. But what I am, I'm going to make y'all wait. But I'm going to start by just saying what I'm not. And a lot of us, sometimes in human nature, somebody asks you a question, you know, you might get in a relationship with somebody and you might set off some triggers that remind them of somebody back in the day. And your response is like, nah, I ain't like that. Don't put his stuff on me. Don't put her stuff on me. I'm not like that. And John tells them what he's not. And they answer and they're just trying to figure out who this dude is. And they're like, are you a prophet? Are you Elijah? Exactly. Who are you? And they got frustrated because he wasn't really giving them what they were looking for. Because that first question about who are you is the question of identity. Everybody say identity. At our foundation, at our core, we have to understand beyond the shadow of a doubt who we are. We can't allow circumstances and culture and situations to change the essence of who we are. And so they started from this question of identity saying, who exactly are you? We need to understand a little bit more about yourself. And the best way to understand somebody is just continue to just ask a question and ask a question and ask another question. And you'll just eventually just hear out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we have to just listen. And they asked him that identity question, who are you? Then the second question, they said, what do you say about yourself? What do you say about yourself? That's really a question of self-awareness. Not only do you understand who you are in your identity, but what is your self-awareness? Do you know that you're agitated, that you get on people's nerves? Do you know that you change the atmosphere and bring joy wherever you step into? Are you aware of how your body language communicates something to people? Are you aware? What is it that you say about yourself? How are you using your mouth to either build up or tear down other people or environments? Because life and death are in the power of the tongue and we eat the fruit of it. So what are we saying about ourselves? When we look in the mirror, what are we saying about ourselves? What truth are we declaring over our lives? And I love that John was very clear. He knew who he was and he knew who he was not. He said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness because my job is to bear witness, to proclaim the truth of it, to just be a reflection of his light and his love and his glory. So they asked him the identity question, who are you? They asked him the self-awareness question, what do you say about yourself? And that third question they asked him, they said, based on what you've told us, if you're not this lineup, if you're not this cast of characters, then what you, what you doing, man? Why are you baptizing if you're not these people? In other words, why do you do what you do? Why do you do what you do? What is your motivation? What is the thing that gets you up out of the bed in the morning and drives you? What is that thing that just burns in your heart that you just can't settle down? You can't rest unless you're doing this one thing. So they said, John, who are you? What is your identity? Are you truly rooted? Is your life truly anchored? In Jesus Christ. Because if it's not anchored, if that anchor is not solid, you're liable to wobble a little bit. You're liable to stumble into some places that God never intended because we have to start earnestly understanding our identity in Jesus Christ. Amen. And once we're there, 
It's not enough to just be there. We got to speak. We got to use our mouths and use our tongues to build up, to edify, to encourage, to change the temperature of the environments in which we find ourselves. We have to know that we are called by God, that we are his. And then we got to understand that third question, that question of motivation. Why do we do what we do? What drives us? What provokes us to say the things that we say? What provokes us to love and to good works? What helps us to drown out the noise and the negativity and all of the comparison that social media might bring? How can we leverage that for the glory of God? How can we cause people who have these short attention spans to be able to grab a hold of them when they're being bombarded with thousands upon thousands of images every single day? How do we declare to a generation? How do we declare the goodness and the grace and the love and the glory of God from one generation to the next? It's going to be because our lives are anchored. It's going to be because we choose to speak life. And it's going to be because we're motivated by something that has eternal consequences. We have to be people who are motivated. If it's not us, then who? If it's not now, then when? And so, my brothers, I'm just praying for God to continue to move in our hearts, to continue to clarify some things that maybe one time we were completely on fire. Maybe one time we knew beyond a shadow of a doubt nobody could tell us any differently what God had called us to do. But we might have been like that soil in the parable of the sower in Matthew 13, where it was slung on that thorny ground, where the thorns sprang up and began to choke it out, began to put that thing in the coquina clutch, and it's grasping for air because the concerns of the culture can sometimes try to overthrow the concerns of the kingdom. And as people of God, As people called by his name, as people called on mission, I don't know about you, but I'm not willing to allow that to be because he's given us an eternal message. He's given us an eternal hope. And we just want to thank him right now. God, we are so extremely grateful for your timeless message, for your timeless truth that transforms us, God. God, I pray that every person under the sound of my voice understands that from your fullness that you've extended to us grace upon grace to be everything that you've called us to be, to do everything that you've called us to do, to move in areas and circles of influence that would change the entire world for your glory, God. Lord, I thank you for stroking our fires tonight. I thank you for reminding us about the story of John and not merely be inspired by John's story, but to be motivated to live out our God-given story. So God, I pray that you would clarify our identity. I pray that you would give us a healthy and positive and godly and eternal self-awareness. And God, I pray that the affections and the desires of our heart would be in tune with your thoughts, would reflect your nature, would reflect your character, would reflect your integrity, oh God. God, I'm grateful that there's nothing that we could ever do to separate ourselves from your love. You remind us that even though we may stray away, you continue to be there. So God, I thank you for being our hope tonight. Thank you for being the God of endurance. Thank you for being the God of encouragement. God, everything that you've started, we trust and have full confidence that you'll complete it. 
until the day of Jesus Christ. With all that we have and with all that we are, God, we love you. Seal this word in our hearts, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was the message titled The Motivation, Endurance, and Encouragement of God by Jason Thomas. This message is number 6579. That's 6579. To listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 6579 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to IWantToGive.com. That's IWantToGive.com. Listen to BrothersOfTheWord.com often because, brother, you need the Word.